Happy Monday and welcome to Not Boring. That, of course, was the Moby rendition of the James Bond theme song from the movie Tomorrow Never Dies. And we chose it because today we're writing about the fact that Excel never dies. Today's going to be a fun one. We're writing it together, me uh, and my friend Ben Rollert, who I worked with at Breather and who is the CEO of Composer, one of the Not Boring Syndicate's portfolio companies. Ben is one of the smartest people I know, and he brings a whole sort of technical richness that I don't have access to, to this piece. So I think it's going to be a really fun one. I love Excel. Ben loves Excel. I think probably most of you listening love Excel as a product, but we're going to go behind the scenes on what makes it such a fantastic business and why it's lasted so long and how it's inspired a new generation. But first, a word from our sponsor, masterworks.io. Did you know that only 1% of day traders actually turn a profit? A couple weeks ago, that was probably hard to believe. Now, you believe it. So why are so many of us mistaking picking stocks for serious investing? You can't control the markets, but you can control your risks. So how do billionaires like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos do it? They invest in blue chip art. Contemporary art has returned 13.6% over the last 25 years, compared to 8.9% for the S&P. With the Fed injecting money into the economy at a rapid rate, smart investors are moving some of their wealth to hard money assets like art to hedge against inflation. Masterworks.io is the only platform that lets you invest in paintings by artists like Basquiat, Banksy, and Monet at a fraction of the cost. I've invested in it, and after writing about it, so have a lot of not boring readers. With Masterworks.io, you don't have to choose between big risks and big returns. So sign up today at Masterworks.io and use code NOTBORING to skip the 25,000-person waitlist. Again, that's Masterworks.io, promo code NOTBORING. See important information at Masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Excel never dies. In the popular marketing book, Alchemy, Rory Sutherland writes, a spreadsheet leaves no room for miracles. We could not disagree more strongly. Most software we use at work exists in one of two categories. One, it's new and we love it for now. Or two, it's old, but we have to use it and we hate it. But there's one software product born in 1985 before many of us were even a twinkle in our parents' eye that inhabits its own category. It's old, but we love it. We always will, and you'll have to pry it from our cold, dead fingers. That product, of course, is Microsoft Excel. Anyone who has worked in finance or consulting grew up on it, learned to love it over thousands of hours of practice and improvement. Whether they realized it or not, they were becoming programmers, or at least no-code practitioners before the no-code movement took off. Proficient in the Microsoft Office suite is so meaningless that it's become a meme, but the ability to bend one specific Office program, Excel, to one's will is a badge of honor. But that enduring, passionate user fervor isn't even its most unique attribute. Excel's most lasting impact extends beyond the spreadsheet itself. Excel may be the most influential software ever built. It's a canonical example of Steve Jobs' bicycle of the mind, endowing its users with computational superpowers normally reserved for the professional software engineers. Armed with those superpowers, users can create fully functional software programs in the form of a humble spreadsheet to solve problems in a seemingly limitless number of domains. These programs often serve as high-fidelity prototypes of domain-specific applications just begging to be brought to market in a more polished form. If you want to see the future of B2B software, look at what Excel users are hacking together in spreadsheets today. Excel's success has inspired the creation of software whose combined enterprise value dwarfs that of Excel alone. 
There are two main ways Excel has set the broad roadmap for the B2B software industry for decades, and will continue to for years to come. One, the unbundling of Excel. Hundreds of B2B startups have been built by taking a job currently being done in Excel and trying to accomplish the job in more optimized, purpose-built B2B software. Every time you hear an entrepreneur say, we're replacing siloed spreadsheets and outdated processes with purpose-built software, you're hearing the unbundling of Excel in real time. Many popular SaaS applications fall in this category. And yet, despite being unbundled, Excel keeps getting stronger. Two, inspired by Excel. That resiliency has inspired entrepreneurs to look more deeply at what makes Excel tick and why. Adventurous builders are creating new software that doesn't unbundle Excel, but is inspired by Excel. Excel's balance of usability and flexibility can be found in popular no-code and low-code products created over three decades since Excel first graced the screen. This source of inspiration is less direct and more meta. It's less about recreating anything concrete that happens in Excel and more about capturing the essence of what makes Excel so successful. We love Excel. Everyone reading this probably loves Excel and still its impact is deeply underappreciated. Today, we're gonna to fully appreciate it by covering the history of Excel, Excel as a language, the Lindy effect, Excel's limitations, no code and the unbundling of Excel and why Excel will never die. A little competition isn't new to Excel. It was born fighting, the spreadsheet wars. We have Steve Jobs to thank for Microsoft Excel and Microsoft Excel to thank for Apple. Spreadsheet software was the first truly killer app for the Mac and home PC, and the Mac's graphical interface helped bring spreadsheets to the masses. The two propelled each other's growth. Now, Excel wasn't the first digital spreadsheet. When HBS student Dan Bricklin had to decide between doing spreadsheets for a case study by hand or on the school's mainframe, he, like so many entrepreneurs before him and after him, realized that there had to be a better way. He launched VisiCalc, a quote, visible calculator in 1978. Computer Associates followed two years later in 1980 with SuperCalc. That same year, Mitch Kapoor sold Visiplot Visitrend to VisiCalc's parent company, Personal Software, for $1 million and joined to work as a product manager on VisiCalc. In 1982, Kapoor left to build a yet-to-be-named product that combined the spreadsheet with graphing. And somehow, Personal Software agreed to carve the product out of his non-compete. I'm not sure why they agreed to this, he wrote in an email. Perhaps they felt I lacked credibility to pull something off this ambitious. If so, they underestimated me. Kapoor founded Lotus in 1982 and launched 123 in 1983. In its first year of operations, Lotus did $53 million in revenue and IPO'd. The next year, it tripled revenue to $156 million. SaaS has replaced discrete sales as the go-to business model for software because it's better for the customer, generates recurring revenue, and can lead to a higher lifetime value, but no SaaS company has ever put up such big numbers as quickly as Lotus did. The same year Kapoor founded Lotus, Bill Gates and the Microsoft gang released its first spreadsheet software, Multiplan. It was notable for using R1C1 addressing, row and then column, instead of A1, the column and row that we're used to, for aiming to be the most portable spreadsheet application, runnable on over 50 different computers, and not for much else. Lotus123 crushed Multiplan, and Microsoft went back to the drawing board with Project Odyssey. They originally built Odyssey to be a better spreadsheet than Lotus123 on the PC, but two critical things happened during development that would catapult the project into a lead that it still holds today, 36 years later. First was the team's motto, recalc or die. 
According to Jeff Rakes, Multiplan's product manager and the man behind Office, quote, a brilliant programmer named Doug Clunder figured out how to do the calculation algorithm in two dimensions simultaneously so that we could recalculate even faster than Lotus 1-2-3. Clunder's innovation meant that instead of having to recalculate every cell every time a cell changed, Odyssey only recalculated the affected cells. That gave it a huge speed and performance advantage over 1-2-3, which created the magical experience that any Excel user is familiar with. Change an input, and watch worksheets full of outputs respond immediately. Second, Gates and Rakes decided that they needed to take advantage of the graphical interface. So they switched mid-project from building for the PC, which was operated via command line interface, to building exclusively for Mac. John Devon, who worked on Odyssey, credited Jobs Machine's broad usability. Quote, that was really the important thing at the time to bring software from PhD thesis mode into something that the average person could use. With those two innovations, Microsoft launched Excel in 1985, exclusively on the Macintosh. It was that counterintuitive decision to launch on its competitor's computer, while Lotus 1.2.3 was stuck on its own MS-DOS, that brought Excel into the mainstream. And if you want to go really deep on the history, it's fascinating, and there's first-person accounts, there's a video in the original post at notboring.co. Excel quickly became the most popular spreadsheet program on the Mac, and then the most popular on Microsoft's first GUI OS, Windows. It rode Windows growth to become the most popular spreadsheet software by revenue in 1991 and units shipped in 1992. It hasn't looked back. While it's difficult to break out spreadsheet market share today since Excel comes bundled with Office and Google Sheets comes with G Suite, Excel holds a dominant position. 80% by most estimates, with a near monopoly for more intensive use cases like financial modeling. After 36 years, it's hard to imagine a world without Excel. It's likely the single application that would cause the most damage if it were ripped off the face of the earth tomorrow. Many of the world's largest companies and financial institutions rely on Excel models to run their businesses. And today, Excel isn't just a spreadsheet software. It's a language. Excel is a language. Excel is the most popular programming language on earth, and most people who program in Excel don't even realize that they are, in fact, programming. There are an estimated 1.2 billion people who use Microsoft Office, and while it's hard to know exactly how many people use Excel regularly, estimates put it at 750 million users. By comparison, as of 2018, there were only 10.7 million JavaScript developers and 7 million Python developers. Python and JavaScript, the two most popular programming languages after Excel, are both Turing-complete. That is, they can be used to perform any computation in very simplified terms. Excel, on the other hand, was not Turing-complete until very recently. In practical terms, that means that Excel simply could not be used as a substitute for a true programming language for many types of computational problems, no matter how clever the hacks of a power user might think of. Even if Excel is not as powerful as the languages professional developers use, and even if most of its users don't consider themselves programmers by trade, it's hard to argue that working in Excel isn't programming. When you lay out formulas and cells in Excel, you're working with a kind of functional language. Excel is functional in that its formulas, or functions, generate the same exact output given the same input, no matter what else is happening in your spreadsheet or workbook. You can also chain functions, passing the output of one function as the input of another, follow, allowing for an enormous number of potential computational pipelines. Each time Excel adds a function, the power and flexibility of Excel is multiplied, 
since that new function can be chained to a large number of existing functions. So if working in Excel is programming, why is it so much more accessible than other languages? One, it's declarative. Excel is declarative in that you define what you want by typing a formula without having to worry about how to perform the step-by-step -step computations. I can calculate the internal rate of return, or IRR, on an investment without needing to know the formula, let alone how to program it. I just type equals IRR parentheses C4 colon G4, and voila. With each update to Excel spreadsheet engine, the how gets faster and better without the user having to lift a finger. Most conventional languages are lower level, meaning that the programmer needs to formally define the computations that a formula or function needs to perform. Not just equals IRR dot dot dot, not even just the full formula, but do this, then this, then this, then this, then this. Depending on how these computations are implemented, there can be huge consequences for performance, accuracy, and stability. A large burden placed directly on the shoulders of the developer. By operating at a very high level of abstraction, an Excel user is spared the headache of dealing with a lot of the minutiae and incidental detail that is intimidating and frankly uninteresting to most people. Instead, Microsoft assigns an army of well-compensated developers to worry about the details, and the user just has to pick the right function to use. Mental model inertia. Jacob Nielsen, the iconic user experience designer, defines a mental model as, quote, what the user believes about the system at hand. He stipulates that mental models are based on belief, not facts, and each user has their own mental model. Mental models are also susceptible to inertia. Quote, there's great inertia in users' mental models. Stuff that people know well tends to stick, even when it's not helpful. This alone is surely an argument for being conservative and not coming up with new interaction styles. Excel leverages a mental model that has been deeply ingrained in our culture for decades, a two-dimensional grid using A1 notation. By assigning rows with numbers and columns with letters, a user can identify a single cell in a large 2D grid without confusion or ambiguity. By sticking to the same conceptual model that has been in use since at least 1979, people can understand how Excel arranges data without learning anything new. The persistence of this grid model has led applications outside of Excel to adopt the same or at least a similar model, which in turn only reinforces the ubiquity of the mental model, making it a permanent fixture in our collective consciousness. Whether a 2D grid is optimal for many domains is hotly debated amongst engineers, but it's almost irrelevant outside of technical circles given its inertia amongst the vast majority of potential users. Reactive. One of the most magical aspects of Excel is that it's reactive. When you change an input to a formula in Excel, any output that depends on the input is automatically updated. Because Excel has been with us for so long, we take this property for granted. But most conventional programming languages are not like this. When an input is changed, each step that depends on that input needs to be deliberately rerun for the output to reflect the change. By being reactive, Excel allows for a kind of playful interactivity. You can play with the inputs and toggles to a workbook simulating different hypothetical scenarios. For the insatiably curious, it can be downright addictive. But more than anything, reactivity makes it easy to get very fast feedback. And the faster a system provides feedback, the easier it is to understand how that system works. Excel is designed to optimize the speed at which its users develop skill at operating it. And finally, it's naturally full stack. Excel users are not only unwittingly programmers, they're also unwittingly full stack programmers. An Excel workbook can be an entirely self-contained, end-to-end piece of software. 
One sheet might contain a database. Another sheet might contain a set of formulas to transform the sheet with that database. And another sheet might be a user interface of sorts. The user interface sheet might offer the end user controls to manipulate inputs while also presenting summary data and charts of the final outputs. Another piece of Excel magic is the ability to inspect and manually update the entries of a database contained in a sheet. This is not the norm with most databases, which typically require developer skills and permissions of database administrator to update. By being a naturally full stack, a single person can build a complex model in Excel without needing to rely on outside help. And for tasks that don't lend themselves to easy division of labor, this is an essential quality. Investment bankers have long argued that the reason the analysts and associates will spend 80 to 100 hours a week on financial models, in Excel of course, is the lack of divisibility of their work. Often only one person has all the needed information to build the model. Excel combines the power of a programming language, the immediate usability of consumer software, and the skill progression of a video game with the flexibility to adapt to nearly infinite use cases. That's a combination no other software offers, and it's why Excel has been able to survive and thrive while millions of other applications have come and gone. And it's not going anywhere. Lindy Software. Excel has been around a long time, so we can expect Excel to be around for a long time. That's the Lindy effect at work. The longer something lasts, the longer it can be expected to last. Something that has been around for a year is expected to be around for another year but something that has been around for 100 years is expected to be around for another 100 years. There are a couple of reasons for that. The first is quality. Cream rises to the top, and only the strong survive. Part of the Lindy effect can just be explained by the fact that some things are higher quality than others, that people recognize and appreciate quality, and that over time, higher quality things tend to outlast lower quality things. Two, network effects. As people recognize something's quality, and as it lasts longer, they become more comfortable building on top of it, which increases the odds that the platform sticks around. That's a form of network effect, specifically a two-sided platform network effect. Excel is Lindy software. Introducing seamless reactivity to spreadsheets and a graphical interface created such a magical and intuitive experience that Excel was able to steal the lead from Lotus 1.2.3. As it's evolved, new competitors have tried to steal market share most seriously Google Sheets, but those doing serious analytical work in Excel's core focus area wouldn't dream of switching. Excel is too good at what it does. It won and continues to win on quality. Meanwhile, Excel continues to build up serious network effects. Many of the models that run businesses and markets are built on Excel. Developers build plugins for Excel, banks and consulting firms train incoming classes of analysts on Excel, they practice Excel nonstop for years and get really, really good, and when they go on and start and run companies, they mandate the use of Excel. It's also interoperable between firms. You can send an Excel spreadsheet to any investment bank or hedge fund in the world, and they'll be able to open it and work in it, which makes the lock-in stronger. As a test, pick your favorite hedge fund analyst, send them your model in Google Sheets, and see how seriously they take your idea. John Updike has a quote that's my favorite about New York. Quote, the true New Yorker secretly believes that people living anywhere else have to be, in some sense, kidding. That perfectly captures how Excel users feel about their favorite spreadsheet software. The true Excel user secretly believes that people using any other spreadsheet program have to be, in some sense, kidding. Excel has stood the test of time by creating excellent software that turns anyone into a programmer with a programmer's snobby preference for their own language. Excel has been around 36 years, so we should expect that, that it will be around for another 36. 
That resiliency gives people the comfort to build on top of it for an ever-increasing amount of use cases. The combined daily efforts of 750 million users push Excel to and beyond its limits. Excel's limitations. Nothing in life is without trade-offs, and Excel is no exception. Excel's flexibility and power is a double-edged sword. Unlike many domain-specific SaaS applications, Excel lets you do just about anything that you want. Excel is not very opinionated software, nor is it constrained to prevent the user from doing things that might get them in trouble. In fact, Excel doesn't even know the domain you're working in. If you screw up a model of, say, FIFO inventory tracking, no one even thinks to blame Excel. It's assumed that it's your fault. If you, specialize, if you use specialized FIFO inventory tracking software, it's likely there are guardrails in place to prevent doing things that make no logical sense at the cost of flexibility. There's also a lack of data provenance in Excel. In scientific research, provenance refers to the origin of any data that is collected along with a history of all changes or transformations to the original data. Provenance is essential for the reproducibility of research. Otherwise, a scientist cannot take the same raw data and get the same results. And provenance isn't just an issue for academic scientists. It's an essential quality for anyone doing data analysis. Unfortunately, Excel lets you do all kinds of complicated transformations of data, and yet lacks any sort of history of the sequence of those computations. The ability to copy and paste data into a tab that serves as a database means that any steps leading up to the pasted data are lost. What if the data that is pasted in is total gibberish? What if a sheet of numbers made sense at one point, but someone scrambled them? While transformations that live in code are documented in such a way to reproduce each change to your data, changes in a spreadsheet are not. Excel is very hard to version and compare changes. While code is intimidating in many respects, the fact that it's saved as text makes it very easy to version and compare changes from one version to another. Most professional programmers use some form of version control and will share their code for feedback from other developers using tools like GitHub. An Excel workbook, on the other hand, isn't very readable, at least not the way text is. A workbook might have multiple sheets, each with formulas referencing data on other sheets, making it impossible to grok what's going on in any sort of ordered sequential fashion. So even though Microsoft's Cloud Suite allows some form of versioning today, it's nowhere near as easy to reason about changes to an Excel file as it is to code. While the 2D grid structure has a ton of mental model inertia going for it, it's not always the right model, nor is it the only model with inertia. Long before computers, humans have organized information into hierarchical tree-like structures. In fact, cognitive scientists have known for some time that the brain naturally processes information using hierarchical representations. Trying to implement a hierarchical tree-like structure in a 2D grid is, theori is theoretically possible, but very unnatural, and can quickly turn into a mess. Rome Research has attracted a cult following by arguing that the best way to structure notes and research is in an associative graph, taking inspiration from Zettelkasten, a method for organizing information that dates all the way back to the 1500s. So there are credible arguments that Excel's ubiquity is leading us to cram information into a format that is less than ideal in many circumstances. Until recently, Excel had one additional limitation. You couldn't actually compute quite anything you could in other programming languages in Excel. Lambda, limitation no longer. On February 9th of this year, Satya Nadella, Microsoft CEO, made a big announcement on Twitter. Excel is now Turing complete. In practical terms, this means Excel can compute anything you might crunch in Python, JavaScript, or any other Turing-complete language. At the root of this step change in flexibility and power is the introduction of Lambda, 
the ability for users to define reusable functions using Excel's formula language. These lambda-defined functions can call other lambda-defined functions, allowing for recursion, transforming Excel into a true programming language. While Lambda functions are arguably the biggest Excel release in a decade, they also sharpen the double-edged sword that is Excel's flexibility and power. A common refrain from experienced programmers is that just because you can implement something in a language doesn't mean you should. With Lambda, it's rational to expect more and more complicated programs implemented in Excel, and some of these programs will turn into maintainability time bombs. Lambda increases power without addressing the limitations around versioning, reproducibility, provenance, and readability we talked about above. Luckily, Lambda won't only give Excel users more powers, it will give entrepreneurs more ideas for stable, single-use software based on the creative uses that Excel users come up with. Because Excel users have been setting the roadmap for B2B software for decades. Excel's influence, unbundled and inspiring. Excel's influence reaches beyond the borders of the spreadsheet. It has a bigger impact on what software is built and how than it gets credit for. An enormous percentage of the success in the last couple of decades of B2B software have come from unbundling Excel, and we suspect that many of the next couple decades' biggest winners will be inspired by Excel. The unbundling of Excel. Excel serves a wider range of use cases well than any other software on the planet, but because of its limitations, there are some use cases that purpose-built software can handle best. Excel's flexibility lets businesses build all sorts of workflows and processes in the Humble spreadsheet. They build databases, customer relationship management tools, calendars, to-do lists, project management das dashboards, invoices, bug tracking, accounting tools, and more. The uses for Excel within a business are limited only by the user's imaginations. That creates an emergent product roadmap for the B2B software industry. Instead of needing to sit in a room and think up the future, a couple generations of observant entrepreneurs simply watched what people were cooking up in spreadsheets, sized the market, and built dedicated, less flexible tools for each specific use case. In a 2017 blog post inspired by Andrew Parker's 2010 The Spawn of Craigslist, Redpoint's Thomas Tungas wrote about the unbundling of Excel. He said, Excel has done a phenomenal job educating hundreds of millions of people about the power of software. Startups are taking advantage of this newly data literate user base and carving out individual applications, replacing Excel with dedicated workflow that's optimized for a particular function. In May 2019, Ross Simmons followed up on Tunga's post with, these SaaS companies are unbundling Excel, here's why it's a massive opportunity. In it, he included a non-exhaustive graphic of just some of the companies built to pick off pieces of Excel for specific verticals and functions. And that's in the original post at notboring.co, it's worth checking out. There's over half a trillion dollars worth of market cap in that chart, with Salesforce leading the way at 193 billion, followed by multiple other unicorns, including Asana, Tableau, which was acquired by Salesforce, and Workday. Salesforce is a good example of how it works. People were keeping track of their sales leads in Excel spreadsheets, which works but wasn't ideal, so Benioff & Co. decided to build dedicated CRM software in the cloud that does a lot of specific things that a user can't easily do in a spreadsheet. CRM software is easy to grok because it's essentially one database-looking thing to another. But practically any software that is built to handle data that isn't super long text, which itself is unbundling Google Docs, is unbundling Excel. That's almost every B2B software you know and love. Tungas didn't even try to include a graphic like Simmons because the list of use cases Excel can handle pretty well is nearly infinite. We expect that more and more will emerge as software continues to eat the world. 
But despite being nibbled at, Excel keeps getting stronger. Excel is Lindy. It's not going anywhere. That resiliency has inspired the next generation of entrepreneurs who are building some of the most interesting companies in the market with tools that don't mimic specific Excel use cases, but the way that Excel's built and the flexibility it gives users to build for themselves. Inspired by Excel. Inspired by Excel software products let users flexibly build on top of them the way that Excel users do. Instead of picking off specific use cases like Excel on bundlers, they take inspiration from how Excel is built. They, like Excel, aim to create powerful, general-purpose, highly flexible software targeted at a broad audience, including non-technical users. There's a Hacker News comment that beautifully captures the difference between the unbundling of Excel, or Unitasker, and inspired by Excel software. It's in the piece. It's a little bit long, so you can go in there and read it. But the point is that it's easier to build Unitasker software, but it's more powerful to build flex flexible general-use software. If there is a core product design lesson to learn from Excel, it's that combining usability with flexibility is both incredibly difficult and incredibly rewarding. In an awe-inspiring talk, Rich Hickey, the creator of the Closure Programming Language, draws a parallel between musical instruments and good software design. Hickey argues that musical instruments are quite limited for a reason. They're really good at producing what is actually a very limited range of sound. A saxophone, for example, can only play one note at a time unlike a piano or a guitar. Expanding on the reason for the limitation of an instrument like a saxophone, Hickey explains, nobody wants to play a choosephone. I'll take a step back and say, maybe some people do want to play a choosephone, but no one, I bet, wants to compose for a choosephone ensemble. Likewise, a design principle for developers is to make any one piece of software really good at one specific thing, deliberately constraining its capabilities to a specific domain. Excel is a truly remarkable exception to this rule. It's something of a choosephone, and clearly, hundreds of millions of people do want to compose for it. With the rise of no-code and low-code products, a new generation of entrepreneurs is taking on the challenges of combining usability and flexibility for a non-technical audience, as Excel does. The space is attracting a ton of investment dollars, but it's still viewed of something of a toy. That misses the point. No-code and low-code products put the creative power in the hands of the users, like Excel has, and create the conditions for an unpredictable explosion of new software usage. Take Airtable, the no-code and low-code software on top of which users can build everything from structured databases to full websites, which was recently valued at $2.5 billion. Airtable is a particularly interesting example because it's both unbundling Excel, it's better for structured databases than Excel, but doesn't even attempt to make it easy to do calculations, and inspired by Excel it's increasingly becoming a platform on top of which users and companies are building solutions the Airtable team couldn't have imagined. It may be low-end disrupting Salesforce too. Other no-code and low-code software like Figma, Rome, Webflow, Bubble, Zapier, and Notion are inspired by Excel's approach without coming directly after its use cases. Even Looker and Amplitude, which aren't generally grouped with the no-code, low-code movement, are more flexible than traditional analytics products and programmable by non-technical users. Shopify, let small businesses build full e-commerce stores by following templates or by mixing and matching thousands of Shopify built and marketplace components. Like Excel, these products are simple enough that non-technical people can use them, but flexible enough that users will create with them in ways that the product's creators can't anticipate. Figma, ostensibly a no-code design tool that lets users easily create and collaborate on anything from logos to full website mockups, is so flexible that in the beginning of the pandemic, a designer named Fiona created Work From Hometown, a shared virtual space in which anyone could build and hang out, inside of Figma. 
Bubble is a no-code website builder that lets non-programmers build production-ready web apps, including robust backends and databases. It was literally inspired by Excel. A builder can create a Bubble app by making a spreadsheet and linking it to Bubble. Ben's no stranger to the space either. Composer, the startup he co-founded, is taking on the formidable task of trying to combine usability and flexibility, drawing on inspiration from Excel. Composer allows the end user to build custom automated investment strategies, all without writing a line of code. Composer is flexible enough that it's intended to allow the user to create strategies that the founding team never anticipated. Before Composer, a strategy creator would need to be fluent in Python or a similar language to harness this degree of flexibility severely limiting the number of people who can implement their ideas. At the same time, the team is constantly refining the usability of the product based on countless hours of customer research, leaning on the strengths of the product designer, Mikhail, and cognitive scientist, Anya. Zapier is a combinatorial multiplier that connects thousands of tools, like a series of codeless APIs, allowing for meta workflows across apps. With Zapier, any of the infinite things an Excel user can create in a spreadsheet might trigger some action in Figma, Composer, or Webflow, or vice versa. When the original Product Odyssey team set out to build Excel in 1985, they wanted to make it easy for users to perform calculations and create graphs. They could never have predicted the myriad ways over 750 million people would bend and expand the product. They just knew that the more flexible and usable they made it, the more possibilities they would create. Similarly, this new batch of inspired by Excel products will likely have unintended and magnificent consequences on the way that people create, build, calculate, and communicate for decades to come. Based simply on the exponential nature of these products, the impact of inspired by Excel will dwarf the already massive impact of unbundling Excel by orders of magnitude. Excel will never die. Excel has survived and thrived through the spreadsheet wars, the mobile revolution, and the unbundling of Excel. Excel is the bonsai tree of software. The more non-core use cases pruned off by Unitasker products, the healthier it gets. Now, it's entering a new generation of giving, one in which it's not just giving off its useless appendages, but its very soul. Entrepreneurs are finally building based on the principles that have made Excel Lindy and allowed it to grow stronger and more loved for decades. Those entrepreneurs can learn important lessons from Excel. Flexibility matters. Backward compatibility with existing models product architecture that gets better with more features, and building for your passionate core. Part of the reason that Excel will never die is because there are so many passionate Excel practitioners. Inspired by Excel products should be flexible enough for non-target users to use. I love Figma, for example, although I'm terrible at it, but endlessly challenging and rewarding for the target group. As inspired by Excel companies succeed and grow to multi-billion dollar valuations, there are only a handful of companies big enough to ingest them. We wouldn't be surprised to see Microsoft begin to snatch up more companies in no-code, the space it ignited in 1985. If you squint, they've already started. Minecraft, which Microsoft acquired for $2.5 billion in 2014, is the closest thing to an inspired by Excel product in all of gaming. People were confused by the logic even years after the acquisition, but no one understands the staying power of this kind of product better than Nadella's crew. But no matter how many new companies try to capture Excel's magic, no matter how many succeed, and no matter how many Microsoft acquires, we promise Excel will never die. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. Go check out Ben on Twitter at Ben Rollert or check out his company, Invest Composer, investcomposer.com. We will be back on Thursday. Thanks for listening.
James Bond. 